everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and, uh, you know, how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Boy, have I got some tea to spill with you this time on my podcast. I'll be chatting about the Queen Mum and a royal gala performance in the aid of her 80th birthday. Also a trip to India where very peculiar things happened. And Roger Moore, yes really, James Bond. So if you want to find out more, join me in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Hello everyone and welcome to Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee number three. So here we are, we're all still going through this lockdown I don't know about you, but I'm actually finding it a lot tougher now the weather's changed. So I'm hoping the sunshine comes back because it makes it much easier to deal with. I don't know why, really. I suppose it's easier to go for a walk and just the blue skies and all of that makes us all feel a lot better, doesn't it? And uh, been talking to lots of my friends and they all say they have about five days where they're kind of going for it and thinking, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to get that done. And then they have a couple of days where they just can't be bothered and don't feel like doing anything. And I I think I'm exactly like that. And I had one of those days yesterday where I really couldn't be bothered and I had lots of cups of coffee and too many biscuits, as we're all doing. And um, all these funny things that I'm getting, cartoons and whatever, I think the funniest one that I've received recently was um, of a cartoon of a man and a woman and it's saying end of lockdown and they both are enormous and saying to each other uh, how can we get out and showing their door is tiny and that there's no way they are going to fit through it and uh, I thought that's ringing bells with uh, lots of us out here despite all the walking and everything I think I'm doing a lot more eating as well but you know that's all a part of this weird experience that we're going through and you know none of us will experience this ever again and you know even people like Captain Tom Moore has never experienced this and I suppose it's the closest thing to the war but it's still very different and I I was talking to an elderly friend of mine a very sharp guy and he said you can't compare it to the war because in the war you know the young men and the husbands were all going away and some of them were you you know were for like six years and you didn't know if they'd ever come back um so in lots of ways we've got a lot to be thankful for spill the tea with debbie mcgee you know you want to another thing that happened on the magic shows was we We did a trick with two chimpanzees. Now, we did two lots of this. Um, So in the first one, Paul had two older chimpanzees 
um, who actually misbehaved. And I think it was probably the funniest piece of television he did. And I can remember we went to an awards ceremony in America that Paul was hosting. And um, because the American audience wouldn't really know who he was, or some of them would, but, you know, a lot wouldn't, um, the clip the organisers decided to show was the first one of the chimps and Paul, which really was hysterical. And you can probably find it on YouTube. Um, and because that was so successful, years and years later, uh, he recreated a different version, but with two baby chimps. And I was involved in this one. And they were sitting at a table with him. And I was the one that was ferrying props in and out that he was, you know, doing tricks on them with. It was absolutely fascinating because they really were like human beings. And every time I put something down, they'd look at me. And as I walked off, the one that was nearest to where I walked off kept following me, you know, like a man would, you know, ogling you. And um, about the third time I came in, I bent over and put this prop on the table. And this little cheeky little chimp, he pinched me on the bum. <laughs> and then when I went off and I was sort of bending down in the wings, uh, he kept looking at me and he wouldn't look at Paul and do the tricks. Um, and it was honestly so funny. I mean, they cut probably most of that out, but the trainer actually had to go in then and, you know, sort the chimp out basically. Uh, so he'd concentrate on what he was doing, but, you know, in a very nice way. <laughs> this is a good trick. Look at this trick. Now, here we have a magic wand. Now, get hold of the magic wand. That's it. Wave it about over the paper handkerchief. Inside here, we have an empty box. Do you want to look in the box? It's empty. Say, yes, Paul. Yes, Paul. <laughs> well, we were going to have a row then, didn't we? Yes. Now, we're going to put inside... The trick happens over here. Now, what we do... Debbie, could you just bring back the paper, please? Thank you. Now, would you give me back the wand? Because I want the wand back. Thank you. Now, we just put this on here. Would you just leave the wand alone? I'm trying to do a trick with the wand. Can I thank you? Would you put the wand What? The bag's empty? What have you brought? Oh, I see. It's you two guys. You're trying to make a monkey out of me. <laughs> Well, that was a, a funny experience with animals on the magic show, which we didn't use animals very often. And whenever we did, it was always in a very kind way that wasn't anything that wasn't natural to them or like being in their natural habitat. Um, other weeks, I've, I've told you different royal stories of different things that have happened to us. And one year, there was a very famous conductor called Sir George Schulte. And his wife, Lady Valerie, we had met them because he'd been a guest on the TV show uh, because we had a guy on that um, would read vinyl records. So you could give him an LP, the, the bigger vinyl records, and he would be able to tell you what the tune was and who the mostly who the artist was. Um, we still don't know how he did it, you know, whether he was looking at the grooves or something like that. And Sir George Schulte was on as a guest to, you know, um, judge to see whether he could 
hear it and things like that. And we also, he had, um, when before he came on the show and the briefings and everything, he'd said that, you know, it was classical music. So at the end, after he'd done a couple of classical pieces and, and yeah, being able to spot what they were, um, Paul decided to try and catch him out. So he gave him another uh, record and um, this was Elton John. And amazingly, the guy got it. I can't remember which Elton John song it was now, but he said what it was and that it was Elton John, you know, and was not cross, but going, oh, you're just trying to catch me out. But he had worked it out. So from having Sir George on the show, uh, we, you know, got chatting to Sir George and Lady Valerie. And then many years later, after Sir George had died, Lady Valerie telephoned Paul and said she was organizing a huge charity evening in Brussels and it was to raise money so that there was um, a computer like hub I suppose you'd call based in Brussels that they were going to set up so that every hospital around Europe if they were treating a cancer patient could phone in or email in to this centre in Brussels and say what treatments were working and different things they'd found, you know, so that everybody was comparing their notes, which at that time wasn't happening. You know, different hospitals even weren't liaising with other hospitals about what treatment was working. And um, so Paul said, of course, you know, I'll come. And she said, well, it's going to be held in the British um, High Commissioner's house, which was an, a beautiful old house that had been owned by the Rothschilds. And it's going to be um, royals from around Europe and heads of states and various other like very wealthy people, rich bankers and things, Swiss bankers. And so Paul and I arrive and we're, we're actually um, staying in the house and we go and do the rehearsal in the afternoon. And there's this whole team of people because there's going to be a big dinner first. And they were setting tables everywhere, even on landings along the hallway to fit everybody in. And we did the rehearsal and, you know, looking around. And then she said, well, you're going to be on last, Mr. Daniels. And um, the person on before you is Maxim Vengerov, who's a very, very famous violinist. And uh, so we said, fine, OK. So anyway, we have dinner as well. But Paul and I aren't even in the same room. You know, we're sitting at tables with, you know, Baron so-and-so and this, that and the other. So I have to say I was a bit shy that night because... Uh, I felt a bit overwhelmed by it all. Um, and it was so glamorous with everybody in evening dresses and things. So when it actually came to the showtime, um, this chap who was kind of in charge of everything got up and, you know, announced Maxim Vengerov, who was just incredible. And um, Paul, you know, never get never ever got nervous. Uh, but he actually looked at me because we were sitting at the back listening, uh, saying oh my goodness, how am I going to follow that? And um, I can remember that Maxim finished off playing some Hungarian folk dances that he'd played when he was a boy. And I mean, his fingers just flew off this violin. And anyway, Paul went on and his, in his usual fashion could always grab his audience. And, you know, when you have an audience of... Um, people at that level they don't sort of usually belly laugh like we all would um, but that night he had 
everybody absolutely in fits and fits of giggles. And um, we had a couple of our um, British royals there as well, Princess Alexandra and her husband. And then we went to bed that night about four o'clock in the morning. And the next morning when we got up to have breakfast in this amazing dining room with, you know, very old tapestries on the wall and things. And I think there was about 16 of us at this huge table. And, you know, interesting, having a lovely breakfast, being served by all these wonderful people. Um, and then suddenly one of the maids came in and was kind of really panicking and saying, quick, quick, somebody's given the wrong breakfast to Princess Alexandra. Then you know, all mayhem let loose and all of the staff suddenly left us alone and off they went. And anyway, about 20 minutes later, you know, normality reigned and I don't know how they sorted it out. But anyway, apparently it was all sorted out and and everything was OK. Um Another tale from my life uh, is Paul and I at one point were booked by British Airways to not go around the world as such, but visit lots of countries because Paul um, was an avid photographer and actually very good. And they wanted him to take photographs for them that they then could make into a book. Um, and so off we took and we went to lots of places. But um, one of the tales that really sticks out in my mind about the trip was we were in Calcutta and we were flying their domestic airline from Calcutta to Mumbai, which in those days was um, Bombay. And we, you know, everything was fine. But uh, we went through the scanner at the airport and you know how if we go through and it bleeps, they take you aside and, and then they search you? Well, if in Calcutta, as we went through, um, we bleeped like crazy and they just said, keep going. And so they had the opposite system working. And if you didn't bleep, they were the people that they stopped. So I don't know how it worked, but somehow they reversed what went on in the bleeper system. And uh, so anyway, we get on the plane and Paul and I couldn't get seats together. And so we both luckily had aisle seats about two rows away from each other. So, you know, we sat down, belted up and everything and people, other people were starting to come on the plane. But they were bringing on things like their chickens and putting them in the overhead lockers. And Paul and I were looking at each other and thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on here? But anyway, it seemed quite normal to them and we took off. But then after takeoff, they all get up and walk around as if you're in a pub or something and chat to each other. I, you know, I think people who don't know each other chatted to each other. And, and then suddenly Paul and I, who were kind of, you know, talking to each other across the rows, um, realized that the engine of the plane had changed and we were coming into land. And so Paul said to me, you know, make sure you're belted up. But anyway, nobody moved and there wasn't an announcement. And the next thing we know, we do this kind of not crash landing, but you know, a bumpity bump landing. And then all these people were falling over. A man fell in my lap. You know, the chickens, the, the um, overhead lockers were pinging open and chickens were clucking. And oh my goodness, I've never experienced anything like it. And I've never been back to India. So I've often wondered whether they still have those, um, you know, relaxed health and safety laws on their internal flights. But uh, I've never met anybody since who I've even remembered to ask. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. Well, I think I've probably chatted on enough for today. Don't want to bore you. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm just, my heart goes out to everybody of what we're all actually dealing with. And um, I think my, my tip for today is if you're feeling down 
or anxious. Just keep thinking it's not going to last forever. And you know, whatever happens in life, even if we go through the saddest times, which for me, the last five years have been the toughest in my life. You know, I lost my dad, who I was very close to. Um, my nephew took ill with lymphoma, which is a blood cancer at the same time as dad. And, um, you know, that was tough enough. And then 18 months later, I um, lost my late husband. And um, I never thought I would ever be happy again. But, you know, you do become happy again. You go through the sadness, but there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. And um, also, you, I think the thing that's really helped me get through is just focus on what's good. And, um, you know, that if in this situation all your family are healthy and haven't caught the virus, that's the biggest thing we can all be thankful for. And I know lots of people are very worried about money and what's going to happen at the end of it. But we will survive. Somehow, we will all get through this. And life might be different, but maybe it will be better. So we'll, we'll just all have to wait and see. And as we're all doing, sticking together, being so thankful that we actually have a national health system where lots of countries don't and you can't be treated unless you've got money. Um, so we do have a lot to be thankful for, for, you know, just try and keep your, keep your smile on your face. And, uh, you know, when I get down, I, I go and scrub something and kind of, you know, get the tension out of me or go for a quick walk. So hopefully things like that will work for you. But I'll look forward to talking to you next time on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. And in future podcasts, I'm going to try and get some of my mates, if I can work out the technology, to come and have a chat to me as well. So um, take care, stay safe and speak to you next time on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to.